Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Foy and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around the campfire. Turn the radio to the Dr. Drew and Bob This Life podcast. And uh, <laughs> also remind to take the extra step and go to the app of your choice and subscribe and bookmark us on doctor.com and then rate us on iTunes and tell us whether you like Bob's intro or not. <laughs> tell us what you like about the show. I and, listen uh, to old time radio on satellite. Uh, yeah, it. Give us five star ratings if you like what you hear and join the email list at contact slash doctor.com and get uh, the newsletter going out every Thursday. And uh, we do send us some emails there. We try to get them into the show if we can. And we're always looking for callers. Mention this life and we do try to get you on the show. So it's our privilege. Bob, I'll let you. She was on this guest was on the weekly infusion as well with me and Dr. Bruce, and I'll give you a chance to introduce her. Talking medical stuff, Candy Finnegan. We were in supervision together. We are television counselors together. We've she's watched my progress. I think as a counselor, I've gotten better, right? Well, <laughs> well hold on a second. Let me introduce Candy was, a little more fully she was before always, we attack you. She was always good right at the top. Well, you know what I remember. The most about you was our dedication to Buddy Arnold. Yeah, we both but you had, knew had this to run love. groups with authority, and I was just like fumbling around. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> you were a lot more fun. Uh, Candy is, of course, the addiction specialist interventionist from the show on any intervention. You can follow her at candyfinnegan.com or Twitter at candyfinnegan, F I N N I G A N. I was carefully schooled on. Or check out aetv.com for more of these interventions. And the book, When Enough is Enough, a comprehensive guide to successful intervention. But you got to understand, it's funny that the two counselors on television were in supervision together, supervised by Buddy Arnold. Together. <laughs> It was crazy. And we're still here. <laughs> I remember when I said, buddy, you need to sign up my hours. And he got t- so frustrated. He doesn't like it one at a time. Just give me a page and tell me how much I write on it. He goes, <laughs> what I supervise? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him. So Buddy Arnold artist. was the head of musicians or the, the sort of figurehead, literally. Yeah. Oh. Uh, musicians he, Assistance Program. Never went larger on without than him. Life. Yeah. Larger it's, than it's life. It's now uh, Music Cares. It's yeah. Like folded into that. And uh, it's a gigantic program now that uh, funds treatment of uh, music, people who earned a living as a musician uh, for addiction. Yeah, I'm doing a thing on November 1st for them Yeah, in, um, at the Grammy Museum. They have the Grammy Museum. They got the Grammy TV show. It's pretty big now. You know, it's funny because <laughs> when we first started it, because it was David Crosby, and my husband, Bonnie Mike Finnegan. And Bonnie. And not, she wasn't there yet. And it was um, Buddy's accountant. And they were the four that went to the music union and said, we've got this great idea. It used to be called BizRap. Oh, really? And they met every week and had nothing to talk about but Tiny Tim. <laughs> and that's who did our first fundraiser. Tiny, Tiny Tim? Tim? Yeah. Weird. Uh, well, there weren't a lot of people. You know, you know what is it pertains to fundraising and, and raising funds for awareness and whatnot of addiction. 
We, we've got to get unified with all the different organizations running amok in the different directions. You did that rock and roll thing. Rock to a, recovery, I, yeah. And then there was that thing in Washington that Dr. Faces. Oz, and Faces of, of Recovery. Of addiction. I, faces of addiction. Well, Candy knows but, them But the point is, we it needs to, where's everyone going? It's like we all need to like get together, well, that, get in the ship together, start let's rowing. Let's talk about it right off the bat because Don Feltman is one of the greatest guys. He's the one behind that Washington thing. But when he went to our community of clinicians and stuff, there was chaos. I was on conference calls and it was chaos. Are they going to allow Suboxone people there? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Well, two of the guys came to my house that were on the board and they had both lost children. That was a main point to of addiction. It. Yes. But, but to be fair, a lot of these, these um, and I, this is not being critical, this is simply factual. A lot of these things that seem to grow up and run, run away are, are codependent parents who are still acting out their codependency or their sorrow. Well, it's all to me. That's all the same. So thing. he said, "I need you know." And I'm not kids. saying that about this guy. I don't know this guy. No, so, I mean he was no, no. Really he's nice. a sober guy. Yeah. But but the point being that that when you want to do an event that affects Washington and the public, the recovery industry and professionals are all coming from all different angles. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, Joe Walsh was there, but Joe Walsh's son was on the planning committee, and I honored that he. You know, yeah. was was just supporting his son. No, it was great. It was just the thing the, I kept saying is, okay, you have seven million. You need twenty-seven million. And now, how much is going to t-shirts? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't being funny. <laughs> you know, that's like yeah. twenty-five thousand t-shirts. t-shirts. You, you need you need a in, an organization like Buddy Rand that that allocates you know in a, in a systematic way. And I don't really understand what they're all doing. It, well, it, but I said, where is the money going? Yeah. Is, is this money for this event? Yeah, that's this what I This is a $27 million that's event? That's what I sensed it was. And what was told to me is it's going into a fund to help people that can't pay for treatment. I said, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. How do you know it's honest? <laughs> Who do you choose? Where are you sending Candy, them? Candy, you're being all practical, practical no, instead of said, idealistic. And, and by the way, if the goal is to raise awareness, then that needs a, an organization that is ongoing that's going to need to be well, existing think, for that purpose. I think we as a community of clinicians need to reach out and, and educate Washington rather than the other way around and rather the con jobs that are going on. When o, the Obama administration decided to cut off prescription opiates, nobody talked to me nobody talked to you i could have told them what's gonna happen well it's gonna be a heroin epidemic yeah. and well, they didn't ask anybody from our thank side god of the new the drugs aisle. are is in recovery yeah thank god botticelli's in recovery i mean that's that's the thing i like i've spoken to him uh, me guy. too good guy i i yeah. i was kind of shockingly impressed yeah me too but but not super clinically sophisticated, so he doesn't understand all this landscape that we're all having to deal with. But do you understand now? And you know, big pharma is my big stick, my my target. Now that it's a heroin epidemic, now it's bad. Now yeah, it's know, illicit. Right. Now it's now You're it's right. bad people You're again. Right. Candy, candy. And you know, who's bringing and in it the started, fentanyl? It's oh yeah, the Chinese are bringing in the fentanyl. <laughs> well, but but I want to hear more about. Um, Candy's assessment of you as in, in your early days, because <laughs> much I, like it is now, I, I'm wondering if she if she's takes makes issue of the same things I do. <laughs> Narcissism. Well, you know, I have to tell you, I just remembered thinking, where did he come from? You know, yeah. that's we started with that. Well, he was a ghost in my world. I knew him when he was using, and, and so did I. By the way, when um, I was relapsing, you knew me. Yes. He yeah, knew me when right. I was purely using. <laughs> purely into it. Really into I, it. I am 
<laughs> I remember going through my husband's community being a musician. You won't believe what this guy did. He fell off the stage. You know, you were the kind of the first of many. It yeah. was a famous fall. And, broke um, my leg. Didn't get you sober? No. But no, I had good. a medicine for people. <laughs> I broke my leg. He broke his leg and went, oh, it's awesome. That's, that's, that's what you know, Tom Arnold said, told me when he was, he was uh, in one period of sort of kind of sobriety. He wrecked his car or motorcycle or something. He said he could hear the ambulance coming in the background. He went, oh, this is awesome. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I just so want to be in a car wreck. <laughs> a little delighted. Um, no, but, you know, I, I think there were several of us that I could kind of see through to reality that there were a few people that liked to, you know, have their name dropped. There were a few people that were the worker bees, and it was you and me. Yeah. And... um I mean, there wasn't anything I wasn't willing to do other than something that was scary, like I'm not going to go take a gun away from well, but, but didn't you didn't you learn a lot there? Here's when, the first assignment I had there. Buddy said, go back through the charts, call the phone number on there, and ask them if they're still sober. Like, that was my thing, to do the census that, that they were going to post, right? Yeah. So 70% of the phone numbers are disconnected. Oh, shocking. <laughs> so... so well, that, that's, all, all the thing was to see if they were sober was you, you get them on the phone and you ask, hey, are you still sober? This is Bob from Map Calling. I'm doing a follow-up. And that then I came to Buddy with the thing. It took me like two weeks to do. I said, here's the people that say, say they're sober, but some of them I don't know if they were telling the truth. Well, you know, there's a, there's a place out there that I'm not going to mention that says they have a 78% yeah, yeah. chance of success yeah. and they call you and you lie to them. Yeah, so, but, then, but then I said, what do I do with these 70% of the people? The phone number doesn't work anymore because you can't, tell, you can't pull them. I go, well, we can assume if they got their phone disconnected, they're back on drugs. And so I've never trusted any, you know, any kind of success rates of any treatment programs uh, ever because that was my first job. And, it, and the way it was so perverted. Well, the only well, when you, I was there, there wasn't charts. <laughs> the, the only way you really could tell is in your alumni program. You actually have to, if see, them, showing you have to up. see them on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're always on tour. Yeah, and they... You know, there's a lot of things. A lot of the original crew that got sober in MAP ended up working in treatment, starting like Wes, the thing I did the other night, the Rock to Recovery brings treat, uh, music into treatment centers that can't afford it and stuff like that. Music he, into treatment centers? Yeah, b- play music with the clients, yeah, music, ther- music therapy. Interesting. Well, there's a place in Nashville now that has a studio. Yeah, there's again, a couple of. There's another. So there's another fundraiser for music therapy. Like, <laughs> like we, let's get it together, guys. Let's get together. Well, the let's... fuse man of the year, the first year, they raised twenty six thousand dollars, and I think didn't last year they raised like five point eight million. Yeah, yeah. Which is that? Music cares. Oh. The original, the original things, but it was fun being a part of that whole thing. And I, I look at musicians as a model. Like we take care of our own, even when we don't like each other and we're in competition. Or don't with like each their other. music. Yeah, don't like their music. It was, it was, it was weird. But, but you know, but there was a higher truth that involved that map. To, to be doing this work properly, though, you have to have a certain what I call talent, right? And it part of it is your own recovery. Part of it is a deep connection and understanding with the people with the condition and uh, its manifestations. 
all of its manifestations. Well, so you kind of sense when people are lying, you can sense when people are using, you can sense when people are connecting, you know, when they're bullshitting. You, you guys know that stuff. Oh, I've got a great bullshit yeah. monitor. No, no, you guys are, <laughs> listen, I, I, and I, I'd have to, I, Bob would always have to, this is why you have to be around recovering people when you work in the field, because I'd literally come out of working with a patient, I'd go, I'd go, Bob, oh my God, this guy was just telling me about this horrible trauma, he connected with me, oh. and, and Bob goes, yeah, he wants to get high. He, he figures you, you can get him high. And That's so, called drug <laughs> seeking. No, but tell him, there was one, we had one of the greatest clients, it was a little kid, he looked like 19 years old. He tells his story to Blum and Drew that he's an Iraqi veteran soldier and he has PTSD. He's 19? He, he looked 19. Oh. Remember the kid? He was 24, yeah. yeah. And it, <laughs> so they started ordering Carlson to come down and PTSD therapy and finally let it slip to you know in a, on a side conversation with me and I go, dude, I thought you were in the army. And he goes, no, no, not really. <laughs> oh, stuff like that all the time. And, and, I like the not really. And, and so, that day I was. But in his mind, he wanted to join the army at a certain point in his life. And so he just followed that that kind of sympathy card. Well, I did have a plaque that says, if your lips are moving, you're lying. So I kind of went with that always. All right, know? we got to take a little break here. Uh, we'll be right back for this. All right, we're back, and uh, we got a call now. We've got somebody's follow-up, call, a follow-up call, call and uh, we thought Candy would have a chance to bring in on this one too. It's uh, the first call was uh, a mother-in-law regarding her son-in-law's DMT use, and that was concerning. Mm-hmm. And we have not only Tracy the ma- the mother-in-law, but we also have Holly the wife here, the daughter of Tracy. Holly, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan and. Um, really, really appreciate the work you do, and I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about this issue. You bet. i got three of us here today. So what's going on yeah. with your husband? So back in December, he you know, was really holding on to this DMT addiction. He finally agreed to give it up um, and has stopped doing that since then, but um, has kind of just had periods of you know, being sober for a little while, falling back into alcohol use, we moved to Seattle recently, and there's legal marijuana there. So now, um, basically since he stopped doing DMT, he's kind of just been cross-addicting to, to various other things. And he started doing uh, smoking weed to manage chronic foot pain that he has is kind of his reason that he's giving for it. Um, but, you know, I've, I've kind of been in recovery for a long time, or at least involved with recovery, like I'm going to Al-Anon now. Um, and so to me it seems pretty clear that it's basically just he's kind of found an excuse to to find something new to use and so what what are what are what are the various things he's using you said dmt and pot what else he was using ketamine also um and yeah mainly it's just getting into the kratom has he gotten down that path yet yeah yeah at one point yeah yeah um, so what saw- I what I always recommend is there's old rules that no one uses anymore called ASAM criteria. And so I don't care if your foot hurts or not. If your right. life is being negatively affected in your interpersonal relationships, obviously his wife is calling three clinicians to ask questions about addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, does he work and go to school? Is he a productive provider? Yeah. So, okay, so that's kind of the one. problem is he has his own business and he works from home and it's just him. And so he doesn't have to go to an office. He doesn't Drew's have nodding. to see no. anyone face to face. So he can really get away with, he can work drunk, he can work high and he does and does it often. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to negatively impact his work. And so that's the thing that he holds on to is like, you know, when I say, Hey, you have a problem, you're 
destroying your health. You're destroying our relationship. He just points to, well, I'm making money. I'm successful, so I don't have a problem. How, so how, how old is he? He's 36. And when you said he's been sober, was he in the program no. or just not using for period No, no. He uh, just basically just, you know, okay. would do like a 30-day. But let's get the third get, one. The third but thing. Then there's, and there's another kind of element to all this so that he also has pretty severe um, – mental health issues he has recently was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder yeah 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 but, but yeah. i don't know how you how is I, that hang on, hang how on. is that i don't know how you diagnose borderline somebody is using the drug addict that's yeah. called the drug addict yeah <laughs> and, and well who? i mean i have been uh reading a, a book about it um i hate you don't leave me and yeah it's oh, a great book it, it is yeah it's really i mean everything i've read is like exactly him every single thing in there wild personality swings outbursts of anger i mean and it's pretty severe and but but i I will just tell you that that diagnosing a personality disorder in a using addict is is inappropriate now he may have i'm not saying he doesn't have borderline Mm -hmm. personality but but a male borderline is kind of rare Mm -hmm. and a drug addict looks just like a personality disorder i mean that's just what they look like especially with all the hallucinogens no telling what but I want to give her ammunition to argue because he's going to say my foot hurts. The doctor told yeah. me da da da. I got you don't like me. Da da Fuck Doctor Drew. Da da da. You know oh, I know yeah. what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. Right? Well, you know, so you got to be able to go boom, boom, boom. Candy. My yeah. boom, boom, boom. Would I know all these things are really severe. And I'm grateful that you're providing for this family, but you need to get in detox, get off of everything, and then let's see what hurts. Yeah, yeah well, and I've, I've said that before, too, and then he gets wildly angry. Um, well, so kind of what? Is like, <laughs> well, this is Candy Finnegan. Well, this is right action. Well, right action needs no defense. You can't defend that he's getting away with this. I mean, because he's making money. I have parents say to me all the time, my son couldn't be shooting heroin. He makes straight A's. Yeah. The same thing. Oh, and, and I see through it all, and so that's why we, you know, have gotten into a, countless fights. I actually am not even living at home right now because Good. it's become so unstable that I can't be around him. And I've told him that I want him to get sober before, you know, in order for me to come home, I want him to face his addiction. And he basically is just like, I'd be willing to give up everything except weed because that's my pain management. And, I mean, I know better. I've been down this road before with him with the DMT. My foot's hurting. (laughs) It's always something. (laughs) It is always something. You're absolutely correct. And he basically is like, I can't, you know, saying I'm working so hard on my borderline like that's the main what? issue. I need to work on that before I can work on this. <laughs> Wait a I, I love that. I love, <laughs> I'm my favorite on thing. My borderline. Which personality? Uh, my favorite thing. My favorite thing is when people go into psychoanalysis and so they so they can drink. Yeah. But, yeah. but but like, what is he doing for his so-called borderline? What what is the treatment? Um, he's been doing like some workbooks with his therapist. Uh, the therapist is having him get into a group. I don't know if he's started it yet because okay. I haven't been at home. But. All right. Is it something called DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's fine. And the DBT may be helpful for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly don't object to that. But you need to call that therapist and tell him or her how much drugs and alcohol is being used and, okay. how, and how chronic this is. Tracy, I'm wondering if you have any yeah. input or insights on in this. Oh, I just, I just think uh, my my feelings are we, we've tried so much with him, and he's willing to tank it all, yeah, and yeah. Um, for the drugs, and I, I think we just uh, we know we know enough to know that this isn't working, and I think we were just hopeful to get on with you and say, so yeah, what what do you do? I mean, we 
she's not living at home. Uh, they're doing uh, two weeks without even communicating at all because he was so toxic to communicate with. And yeah, he was um, being abusive, sending tons of abusive messages to me and stuff, even when I wasn't home. So well, I'm sure he's really happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the main thing that I kind of was curious to get your take on is like, is, is there even such a thing as, you know, if he makes enough progress in his DBT treatment that he then gets to the point where he can see the destructiveness of his addiction and is willing to face that? Or is uh, it really that like, well, you let's have just, to tackle the addiction first? Well, we'll take, a little, we'll take a little poll around the room. Let's just be super clear. We don't know him. We don't know what's going on with him. It, you know, right. It's very inappropriate for us to you know, do anything. But I'd say anything other than in our experience in cases like this, uh, I've... Well, I won't say I've never seen it work out this way. Is if people stay engaged in treatment, eventually people figure out what's going on with them and start to mm-hmm. bring the hammer down. So I'm always just grateful when someone's engaged in treatment. But it doesn't if indeed he's an addict that he seems to be, treating the personality mm-hmm. disorder is not going to be the issue. Would you agree, Candy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's just, you know, kind of changing deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, what's yeah. gonna, which one's going to go down next? I mean, he doesn't have a realistic um, view of himself. Yeah. And anger is one of the wonderful defenses because the first thing that happens is is that you guys all run away from him and let him just sit there by himself and get high. Mm-hmm. What, what should they do? Well, don't ask the interventionist. <laughs> well, we actually thought about doing an intervention at one point, and he just expressed such disdain for 12-step and recovery and all of that that I thought it wouldn't Well, be intervention but... doesn't have anything to do with 12-step. It has to do with bringing the denial of addiction to the forefront. And I have to tell you, quite honestly, if he didn't buy into it, I would certainly hope that his friends and his wife and his mother-in-law would buy into what you have to do to save yourself. And thank God you've already started in on that process. But an intervention is a family disease um, quick fix. And when I say quick fix, it's a couple of meetings that should change your life so that you don't let this toxic person take over. And, and I, uh, if, go ahead, I was Tracy. just going to say, we, we've done that with him. We're all that he has left. So yeah, his, he he's his pushed brother, all his friends away, all his family away. He doesn't speak his, to anyone anymore. His brother he's committed so. suicide, and his father was hospitalized with a mental illness last year, and he has no relationship with any of them. So Holly and I are really all he has left, and we've sat down and done the intense conversations and the, look, you're going to lose us, and he's... I, I mean, so and he's basically I'm, like, "This is my pain management. This is my medicine." Like, oh, yeah, that's a new crazy. thing in America, you know. Pain yeah, management. I know. I know. Yeah. Pot for everything. But yeah. hang on, hang on. It, it, was he? Did he have horrible trauma growing up? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I mean, that does need to be treated, but you normally wouldn't treat that until you've been sober a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you're putting a band-aid on open heart surgery. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's he's really... had trauma his whole childhood. So abused, abusive relationship with parents. He found his brother when he committed suicide. His parents quietly blamed him for that. Um, so lots of trauma in his life and lots of pain. I, and, I'm going to uh, ask so something. Trying to separate it all I'm, is hard. I'm, I'm going to ask something I don't normally. Uh, I'm not necessarily advising this, but does he have any kind of relationship with a church or a spiritual organization of any kind? No. Um, 
because you know sometimes you just got you got to use everything that anything that gets through to him anything you got to find it. And that's the problem is there's nothing like he really has disconnected himself from everything. Well then, the well from my experience, then the finances will slowly erode and fall apart, and then he'll get more willing. Maybe he'll end up on the street. Yeah, that's more will. That's where I was. <laughs> well, that's going to say, what about facilitating an arrest? Why not next time you know well, he's doing something illicit, get him arrested? Well, I, I mean, the hard thing is that now, I mean, we live in Seattle and, and weed is legal. No, I get it. It's hard. Well, I don't think they want you slammed when you're driving. Th- there's that. He doesn't, he doesn't, we don't have a car. We live in, like, that's the we thing. Is he's car. really set up his whole life so that you can they, kind of get see, away with this. Like, God, he you is can a, live in Seattle with no car. He is a good drug addict. You know what? I just want to make a side note. <laughs> Lyft and Uber are really protecting alcoholics and drug addicts. <laughs> well, <laughs> protecting the rest of us, too. <laughs> protecting the rest of us from them, by the way. Oh, that's true. I never, you know, I'm always looking at the antisocial angle. Yeah. Well, a- <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, I'm uh, I'm deeply sorry. Me too. To you guys, to you. to having you. to watch somebody that you love really yeah. um, disintegrate before mm. your very eyes. Well, only thing I'm going to tell you is keep reading. Don't believe mm-hmm. everything he says. Um, yeah. <laughs> keep into your own recovery that you didn't cause it, you can't cure it, and you know God knows you can't change it. Mm-hmm. And you know. Don't keep your eyes on him as much as you do on yourself because he loves the attention. He's a little bad boy. And, and, yeah. and, and I get the sense, too, there's more than just weed going on here. Oh, yeah. And whatever. Um, I think he's doing DMT again. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is, because the denial is so profound here that weed you know, doesn't sound like yeah. enough. And, uh, benzos, my, benzos, but, probably. But, but, oh, yeah. But that's all going to something crisis is ahead he's either gonna get psychotic mm-hmm. or he's gonna lose or something's coming with the, yeah, with the escalated views yeah. well we all mm-hmm. everybody involved here knows this will not mm-hmm. sustain itself no it yeah. will change and i'm glad yeah. you're taking care of yourself and you're not living under that toxic situation and um yeah, you know i would get myself a therapist too i mean that's i was all, just yeah say, why don't I've you get some help years, all right. yeah. Good. what does he or she say um, she she thinks they should be done. <laughs> okay. I, I kind of feel that well, way too. I, 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 that's what I've been thinking, but I don't want to yeah. say. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard. <laughs> but it's like we have addiction in our family, and I really, yeah. I understand what he's going through. Life is too short for all this nonsense. Yeah, no, I'm a codependent, so of course I want to fix him. Good well, girl. Let, let me tell you. But, but here's the deal. You, you guys, let me let me tell you just this little bit. I'm observing. I know if it was relevant or not, but you go. You guys are codependent, of course, and you and you mm-hmm. do understand mm-hmm. that condition, and you're doing something about yeah. it. Good on you. I think you're a little codependent on each other or something. You're going to have to mm-hmm. watch that, too. You're going to have to watch your codependency everywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's affecting this because, you know, we don't know you enough to know, but it's there. And, of course, it's there because you're both codependent. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's anyone's place to make the decision for you what you do with your marriage. No one should be telling mm-hmm. you oh, what no, to do. Oh, no, no, no. I had yeah. too many people tell me what to do. Yeah. And so, yeah. so you make your own decision. You do what you got to do. But... Bob's point, I think, is the one. It's strange those, those same words were sort of ringing in my head. Was like, God, life is so short. This life is poor short, people, man. and yeah. he is just he is just eroding your. I ability see so to be many whole. people. Oh, I, know. I see I know. so many it's people waste their twenties and thirties away just worrying about some drug addict or another. I watch it all the time. Here's what I want you guys to promise each other: 
that when you talk and when you see each other, the first thing out of your mouth is not going to be, have you heard from him? What's good. he doing? <laughs> That's good. You know, you go. Right. go out to dinner and talk go. about anything other than I, him I, and we, go to a movie. Get away from what has absolutely taken over your there life. There you go. If we give you nothing mm-hmm. else but that, I think that, there you that's, go. That's, that's a, the way yeah, to go. I think that's a enjoy solid. life. Yeah. Go to old Chella. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about San Francisco. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Go oh to San my Francisco. God, there's so many fabulous things there, and believe you me, he can't make that trip. Yep, yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah. And the, the yeah. healthier you guys are, the better. That's yeah. Go on a vacation. That was a good. All right, ladies. Thank yeah. you, right, so thank you so much. All right. So sorry. Thank you. But, Thank right. you. Take Thanks care. so much, Dr. Drew. You've been such tough. a help to me over the years. Right. I really appreciate it's, the work you do. It's our privilege. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Oh, they, they, my heart aches for those uh, stories like that. Because I, too, am codependent. Let's take a little break. Be right back after this. All conversations and information exchanged during participation in the This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest podcast or interaction with drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction per se. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the sites or podcasts. Well, everybody, the Bergamot Pro Plus, you've heard me talk about it before. If you have high cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar up, dangerous abdominal fat, want to reduce your chance of heart disease, that's called the metabolic syndrome. You should consider Bergamot Pro Plus. It's 100% natural, made from the citrus bergamot fruit from Italy. Talk to your doctor about this. Again, these are things that need to be done with a physician to determine what the appropriate course of treatment is for you. But cardiologists worldwide are using and recommend Bergamot Pro Plus. It's previously only available as a prescription. Now you can get it over the counter as a supplement. The benefits of Bergamot Mega Plus is that it's much stronger. It's a physician strength formula. Particularly if you're statin intolerant or concerned about taking a statin, you can really improve your vascular health uh, or maybe you just prefer a natural alternative. This might be perfect for you. Uh, even those on statin sometimes will take bergamot in addition to not just help further reduce their cholesterol, but also change the uh, insulin resistance issues that people get into with the metabolic syndrome. And only the bergamot products are approved by the prestigious Academia di Bergamotto in Italy. We actually talked to a woman from bergamot the last time we were in here. And she was saying they put it, they use a lot of the the, the fruit the, there because the polyphenols in the fruit there. Numerous critical trials uh, have checked and verified its effectiveness. I've read these studies. Uh, I was impressed. That's what got me behind this product. Billions of dollars have been spent on the research, and uh, they continually improve the bergamot products. So they are in fact the world's best. Uh, with heart disease being the number one killer of men and women in the U.S., what are you waiting for? Invest wisely in your lifelong health with Bergamet Pro Plus. Go to bergamet.com and order your Bergamet Pro Plus today. Bergamet.com, Bergamet for life. Don't you want to add something, Drew? What's that? You take it yourself. Then I take it myself. There you go. That's the best. That's the best part of the commercial. Start with that. <laughs> there you go. Well, full disclosure, I, I, I had a, I got a little bit of statin side effect, so you know it's a statin because you can get, you know, oh, really? it's, it's an effective drug, yeah. So let's get let's get on with modern with a modern world. How well, is well, hang the treatment? On. Do, you want, do you want to decompress after we just heard? Do you want to you know do you mean talk about it? Yeah. 
Well, I want to talk before Candy leaves. I want to talk about the modern treatment era and what she thinks no, of no, it. But go go to uh, Weekly Infusion. We did a we did, oh, you a, did we did a long thing with her with Bruce and I on that. And where do you well? Let me just ask. And we, and we where were, do listen, you send people? I asked her that. Go to that website. She gave us specific ones and specific regions. And Cumberland we, Heights. We we all kind of had the same ideas. You know, we all kind of like the same places. Yeah. Um, I I certainly can tell you much easier all the ones I don't like. <laughs> and there are a lot. And there's a lot. Well, let yeah. me share a trick I have with you. So when I talk to a parent like we just talked to, right, and the person is going to go to treatment, I ask if they've ever been in treatment before, and when they haven't, I send them to cry help because they wouldn't know any difference. Oh, that's good. It's worked magnificently. I know. The success they've had there for years and years. I mean, but you can't get these millennial kids to go there because they've heard about it. They've been at other treatment centers. So when they've never, when they know nothing about treatment, no massages. I put them in in cry help, and it works great. Yeah. Well, we listen. We know the good places. Yeah. You know, we know. I mean, you know, they're longstanding, but even some of the longstanding have now been bought up, and uh, yeah. There's too we, many we agreed Claire also be a place we could send people. Claire Foundation. They're going for profit though now. Yeah, and so is uh, Friendly House. No. Friendly House is just You're uh, kidding got kidding me. Did you know this? Just too? got oh. their license. Well, them going for a profit if they don't get greedy doesn't mean they have to deteriorate. No, can we really talk about it? Because I know a lot of clinicians listen to our show. The fact is, they're going after the insurance money, and the insurance dictates mediocre care. Dictates mediocre care and you're gonna you're, you, you find yourself just serving the master right which is you know what the insurance companies want one-on-ones yeah but bob if you who have wants, if you, who wants to sit and listen to a drug addict talk for 50 minutes <laughs> twice a week don't call me <laughs> if you if you now now we were being very flip about that it depends where in their treatment process that no, happens, week, two, it's week, week two week two it's a waste of time yeah but but uh i, I would argue that if you had a good professional person advocating you can you know remember we used to fight the insurance down we used to fight them now and we we didn't change our program based on their yeah but one thing that that you've been out of the game a long time we're getting 810 a day these places are getting 2300 a day they're not fighting anything god they're getting 4500 a day but for cash pay it's three grand it's a waste (laughs) that's a total waste it's more than chemotherapy drew it is more than chemo here's what i don't understand how is it not against the law to scholarship someone that has no money and you say to them, I'm going to scholarship you to come here for 90 days. And when they walk in the door and they're goofy, they say, we had a brilliant idea. We're going to buy you. Insurance. We're going to pay for yeah, it. They buy insurance. An insurance policy that's going to cover so you can stay the well, whole 90 days. No, but, no, but no, what happened was HealthNet has left the state of California because of that, because exactly. they had the best policy for addiction treatment. Uh, do you guys, it just breaks my heart when I have these conversations. I know. See, he's going to get all me. the press. I me and Candy are fighting the good fight. I got to tell you Come fight something. with us, I Drew. Said, so, in other words, when this check comes to Jack Smith, in the P.O. box that is connected to the treatment center, and the treatment center, of course, does not have him sign the check. They sign the check and put it into a trust, and then the trust pays for his treatment. Now, I got to tell you something. 
by at least standards of July 1st, this was not against the law. I know it's crazy. I'm so glad I'm so. Anyways, not doing that. Back to the back to the really the but it but the treatment has changed because of insurance, Drew, and we're going to change it back to the basics and back to the nuts and bolts with a new modern twist, which is job education, job placement. Training, life skills. Life for, the, skills. for the young ones. For all the young ones. That we got, it's you know. 70% yeah. millennials. Well, come on. 42-year-olds that have never worked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's get them a job. But speaking of work, I, I want to... We, we've swept past this a couple times. I want to do it one more time. Bob and his talent. And his, I'm wondering well, standing these, next to Buddy, I look sane. <laughs> So, well, I think that's correct. So, so, so Bob is, has great insight, great instincts, uh, knows the program inside now, knows when people are bullshitting. Well, he was really new. Oh, you haven't worked with him since he we trained him up. Because um, we, well, we, we turned was, him into I, administrator. I watched, well, well, I watched you yeah. train him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this was in the I beginning. But I think one of the gifts that Buddy Arnold had, among other things, in being a white saxophone jazz junkie, which does, you know from New York was he white? I couldn't tell what yeah. his oh, he was. was. I was never sure. He, was, he kept saying, "And I'm a Jew." <laughs> yeah, was, he was a, another world leap type person. Yes, you didn't yeah, know what from, his from a different era. Was, yeah. yeah, so he, he, he made up me, what he was. He taught me how to go, run groups. Greatest. But what he did more than anything with you and me and a couple of other people, other and truthfully, Paul Williams, yeah, was he oh, saw something really special in the way we approached this, and it was mainly not judgmental. Because uh, I no, remember he, people going, right. "Ooh, I wouldn't do that. Ooh, I wouldn't go. Ooh, I hate that person. I don't even no, like his music." That's that is a. I never looked at it from that way. I always looked at it in terms of those the sort of active sort of involvement you had but you, but you're right the willingness to be actively involved that way well but you know first of all you had to really understand buddy because yeah. he was truly a little lost soul for many years before he met carol and his and wife. his he was looking for purpose yeah. well he found and it. you know he worked at beverly Glen. he worked at beverly hills hospital CPC westwood Did, yeah, i mean Bob... oh that's where i did my training with cpc <laughs> The, the outpatient uh, program there? Uh, no, it was no, an inpatient. I was in the lockdown psych ward there for a while. Did did, uh, did Bob's antisocial flair ever get in the way of <laughs> No, because he was always so <laughs> invested in helping people that he wasn't like not invested in everything that was going on. I mean, he asked a lot of questions, and I kept saying, buddy, can you... <laughs> He goes, well, he likes to go over things and make sure he does it right. And get the money. Yeah. The, that, my antisocial thing worked well in raising money. I can oh, tell you that. Oh, you, sure. you were that, fabulous. Because you'd harp on people. The third time, so the, the, let me tell the story. The third time we go back to the Chili Peppers to do another fundraiser. Flea <laughs> goes, you know, we could do it for pediatric AIDS. You're not the only nonprofit in Los Angeles. And it was the first time it ever dawned on me that there are other nonprofits but you guys, way more work. <laughs> But, but let's 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 take a pact here amongst ourselves. I'm not sure we'll be able to do this, but why should pediatric AIDS be the only cool not for profit in town? It's but, it's why can't we have other not for profits that serve different critical, critical things for the time? It always turns around about money. Well, but it, you know, we usually turn, I think those things turn around around personality. I mean, somebody that chooses everyone, that cause, that's and right. Buddy chose that cause, and then I latched onto it. 
and we wrote it as far as we could far beyond what I think Hillary Rosen wanted or oh, <laughs> poor Hillary. She just wanted it to blend with Ted music Jay cares. Runman, yeah. Mu- music cares. There were so many meetings. I was like, I'll get more money from the Chili Peppers. Don't c- c- join forces with music cares. I'm having lunch tomorrow <laughs> at the tennis club. Who plays tennis? No, but you understand there was a pathway drew for years for map to dissolve into music cares it was an open invitation no, but and me wasn't... and buddy fought it i, I was his soldier fighting it, getting money enough to survive to but you know it. why it didn't work until he died because they wouldn't employ carol oh yeah well i also think that they're you know <laughs> i don't think anybody could be buddy arnold's boss i don't see how it would have worked like Ugh. mike green would be his boss oh. no way and they don't make people like that anymore, Drew. And I, I latched my antisocial thing. I latched onto him, yeah. and it served. I that. know, but in your antisocial situation, you were the first one out the door to go help an addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had nothing so, else to do. Well, <laughs> purpose. And now you have two kids, and yeah. look how and look who now you are. I got stuff to do. Do you guys still share cases or anything? Or do you still? No, we haven't for we a, haven't long a long time. time. It's weird. I don't we have run that into many each cases. other at strange events, and we always hone in on each other. I'm and sure. I always yeah. go, "Can I sit by you? We hate the same yeah. people." <laughs> <laughs> All those marketing things. Oh my god! But I only do really court things now. I just have, the court. I felt was my path. Like about after we left Los Encinas, and after my outpatient failed, I thought, you know what? Court the stuff Timmons used to do. I was going to just that. say to you, Bob Timmons said. Just get me into court. I don't mind getting paid for it because they pay Why? lawyers 10 times what they're paying me and all the lawyers doing is keeping them out of jail. I'm actually going to help them maybe change their life. I think that court liaisons are the most overlooked thing in drug courts. Well, that's what I do. I, I always get had trouble bound. actually getting paid to do the work. For you the know, courts? I, no, for the addiction treatment. Yeah, it's I always, never always liked felt, it. it. always felt And very... certainly nowadays, may, becoming a millionaire no, of other people suffering, oh, like, I can't do it. But that's why we get into this business. <laughs> no, my Yeah. God. But I found a way to make a good living working yeah. in the courts. I don't mind it. I don't feel ashamed of taking money for, for alternative sentencing because it, it involves something else. It's not just the teaching of how to live again and making millions of but dollars. But alternative sentencing doesn't have any monitoring, and that's why it fails. Oh, no, it does now. Well, because but of Because they're much more free with it. I got two guys. One guy's got two ankle monitors on, alcohol and GPS. They're monitoring people now. Good. They, they're really not arresting people anymore. <laughs> for heroin, why would Drew, they? For heroin, they don't arrest people. They give them a ticket. Wow. What's crazy? How much is a ticket? <laughs> it's an well, they don't pay it anyway because they got to go out and score. It's an appearance it's an that they appearance, don't appear. Appearance that they don't appear, yeah. Right. So then there's, then there's a warrant, and then what? Remember when the first things about marijuana, I think it was like in the 80s where it was, oh, personal use, so you gotta you got to show up in court, right? And they didn't arrest you. They're doing that with heroin now. Sheesh. <laughs> well, first time I went to London, I remember it was in the 70s and well, I'd gone with my parents, but I didn't know about heroin. And um, <laughs> they said, oh, that you can sign up as a registered heroin, heroin addict. addict. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. went, oh, yeah. oh, why would you do that? <laughs> Your mom might find out. See, you know? I, I don't have any problem with that. <laughs> I, I really no, don't. Neither do yeah. I, but at the time it was astounding. You know, yeah. it's because 
So yeah, the man having, with the golden arm was the only thing I knew. What's your guys' take on the injection sites? Because they started one in Detroit. Yeah. Um, the they asked sites? me to come and you go and shoot up there. Yeah, the injection uh, safe injection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think? Because Canada's well, had them forever. Yeah, and so is Holland. Though they tended not to work in Holland, isn't that right? In Vancouver and Victoria, they work, but they didn't work because everybody wasn't from um, Holland. Holland. They They're were from the United drug States. Drug addict tourists. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Senior I, I class. I was one friends. of those. The senior class always wanted to go there. You know, Amsterdam. That was a funny thing. You know, I like to talk about the dark and the light, right? So I got to most towns in the world I've seen. And so, you know, so have you. But I didn't really see them. I only saw where the drugs Hotels. were sold and a hotel. <laughs> now, then I went back sober. Really I was lucky funny. enough to play music sober, right? You know, when I was like 40. And I, like, these towns are amazing. These towns that you go to, like Holland, like Holland. You and, take uh, pictures Amsterdam. of buildings. You, they, got a, they got, in one day, I went to the Anne Frank Museum and to the Van Gogh Museum. In one day, I'd been to Amsterdam 30 times, never even knew they were I there. Was, I went in the bar. <laughs> I don't know about you. And so it was fun. And that's what I hope, you know, our callers, husbands can someday realize. Oh. That's what recovery really is. To be like, this is amazing. Well, being alive. Being alive is amazing. But, that, but not just being alive, but living, right? Yeah. I mean, alive in the full sense. I mean, it was what was it we always say, you know, you live the life you sing about. And I said, well, what happens if you don't sing? <laughs> you, know. you and Gloria Scott. Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh, did you know Gloria Scott? Oh, He's yeah. mentioned her a million times. I, I didn't know her. There was she no thought other. she was Janice Joplin, but she didn't sing. <laughs> she, she just she, wore a lot of scarves. <laughs> did she look like it? She was yeah, she looked like yeah. it. Yeah. She wanted to look like it. She and was, with no plastic surgery. <laughs> and with no no musical talent whatsoever. She just walked through life thinking she was the second coming of Janice Joplin. You but know, didn't play music. Oh, no. <laughs> Have you seen oh, the documentary on Janice Joplin? Yes. No, I yeah. haven't. Is it good? You know, it's funny because... I moved, I got married in 69 and moved February of 70 to Marin County from Wichita, Kansas. I won't go through that. Mm. But, you know, everybody was hitchhiking. I thought everybody's cars had broken down at the same time. (laughs) Why are people making their clothes out of bedspreads? And the whole county smelled like patchouli, which just did not hit it off. I mean, I'm a Chanel number five. Uh, You know, I thought, you know, this isn't working for me. (laughs) And, um... I, you know, Janice lived down the block, and I mean, all I knew was there's a whole bunch of, you know, Southern Comfort bottles in her front yard. Yeah. I, I never looked at the person and who they were. Um, they just seemed to be neighbors, and Van Morrison lived up the street, and it was just such an odd situation, because I was not into the music scene at all. I had no idea who any, Mike played with Jimi Hendrix, and I, I thought, I mean, I never heard of him. I mean, you know, it was just... Wow. I married the man. He was. I wanted him to be an attorney and play with the Celtics. <laughs> that's too... That's a... That's attorney well, basketball it's player. It's harder to play with Jimi Hendrix, actually. Well, <laughs> but do you, let me, and let me, not get paid. Let me back off for a second and ask about the intervention. Do you guys see intervention the same way? Do you, Bob, do you see... Do you do or think, think of intervention? I can just... I don't... I don't... You don't really do I, interventions. I'm not good with yeah. the families. I, I, But I can talk to any addict, and that's what Buddy taught me. I can get any addict to go to treatment. That's... I mean, I said that exact yeah. same thing. Just to shut you up. I mean, <laughs> I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> you know. So after Celebrity Rehab got going, we were still working at a hospital not making any money, right? And Louisha, one of the gals on the show, who's now an interventionist and runs Refuge, she said, you know, maybe if you 
Jimmy and Shelly some we could we could do interventions once in a while, make a little dough. And I said, uh, I don't know. And she said, Well, I took this class. The, she got certified in the intervention, right? So we do the first one. This is like the only one, a formal one I've done, where we meet with the families, all the stuff you do, right? And I'm just like. I don't know. I just have troubles with the family's codependency. So you guys were very looking at them and very helpful. I'm just like either, uh, you know. What is that? Wait, I'm curious. I want to be like that. <laughs> what is that? I'm like, it's pretty obvious that they're more wrapped up in this guy's drug addiction than he is. Right, but right? they're the ones in pain. I mean, they're the ones awake. Drinking the poison, expecting everyone to die. <laughs> but, they're, yeah. but they're awake and seeing so, this. Well, I mean, years I, ago, I don't know what it is. I just, I'm not good at tolerating too much of that so i but i made it through the two days right the day before right so the so we're sitting we're doing at the parents house the sister's there the intervention everything's planned i'm sitting in a chair the guy walks in and he realizes right away and he walks up to me and he puts his hands out and he goes i'll go with you <laughs> and i said oh great let's go well boy and am i successful <laughs> at this just, just get him away from his codependent family and they, but yeah so so then I said, okay. And Louisha said, Bob, sit down. This is not just about so-and-so. And we had to sit through this. Oh. <laughs> and listen to all the letters. Uh. You know? And the guy, was he just shrank. He just shrank in his chair. So now that you've this. said that and I know how you really feel, I'm not going. How do you like me now? <laughs> no, it was hard for two or three days. And he came to us. He's the guy that when I was sitting with the mother, then get this. So the mother comes for a family session about eight days in. The guy has an alcohol withdrawal seizure in the family oh, session. Yeah. Hey. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and the mother kept pushing. I want to sit down and talk with him. And I was like, he's all he's, he he's, didn't want to talk to you. Eight day eight, right? Yeah, it was funny. Well, you know, um, I'm not really good at a lot of things. I've been marketing, well, you're good with the admissions. You're good with the parents. I mean, I've done the whole setup programs gotten rid of programs, killed people, <laughs> you know, giving them CPR, all of it. Um, and I'm really, my real gift is interventions. And it's because I have a fascination with telling people the truth. But isn't it the families you oh, really have effect on? That's who I have to tell the truth to. It doesn't get crazy. I, I have trouble with people not hearing the truth. <laughs> Can we go back in intervention history and ask questions? The two that stand out to me the most, I don't know if you did, yeah, you did the one, was the gal who who did the Huffer. She's now uh, MFT. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. It's an amazing story. That's amazing. The one that touched me the most was the uh, guy who had been champion, lightweight champion of the world as a boxer. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Did you do the one? There's there's another one where the father was so codependent, and to me, there oh, was. Oh, that he used to give her morphine? Oh, and, no. no, no, no. And she was running around naked those. all the time, and the dad would go by the house to drop off money to her. Do you remember that yeah. one? I always wonder what I always wonder what happened to course, the client. So here's what you can do: you can go on aetv.com, go on intervention, and they have this thing that says legacy, and you can switch and happened. run all through. I do about five a month. So go we there. We should do that for celebrity rehab people. Dude, that's a good idea. We do that maybe at Dr. Because nobody knows all the successes of celebrity right, let's rehab. Do it. Let's well, do it. Michelle, I think we need they, help with this. Yeah. Well, I think that you they need to hear. How much you made a difference instead of, I mean, certainly not very long ago on the show, person got out and, and overdosed and died. And, oh and uh, then how I found out, it was on GoFundMe. Hmm. They were asking me for money, for and which fu- I, by the way, gave them. For the um, funeral? 
Yeah. And because they were you know, poor souls. You know, we get souls. crucified because it's celebrity people, right? So if the, something bad happens, Drew gets blamed. But all the good, there's people that have become psychologists that run programs. Well, look that at, are, you know, I've known Mackenzie are, since she was yeah. 12. Max Gray, but, but 12. Jennifer Ketchum now? Max, a, Jennifer Ketchum, Jason Waller. Yeah. And people don't want to hear these stories, the good ones, on our show, on our version of well, it. Well, I, I don't know but why. I don't think because you aren't showing them. <laughs> All right, we'll do that. Let's and you do go it. to Candy Have Finnegan. a reunion and have all the real good ones come, sit in a circle and say, not how, what was your process of being on our show. Tell us about your lives now. Yeah, the journey. CandyFinnegan.com, at Candy Finnegan. Uh, Bob, anything She's coming up? She's the best. I'll see you at the next marketing thing. <laughs> all right. The red-headed bagalia. <laughs> and we will all see you next time. Stay in line, can you read the sign?